Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Verse 1, chapter 26, it says this, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, it's the, um, the Olivet Discourse, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives, and he's talking to the disciples, the people that are following him, about the incoming struggles and persecutions that the followers of Jesus are going to face, but it's going to all segue to the kingdom of God making its way on earth. And Jesus is really trying to find out who are the real followers and who's, who's fake. He's trying to sift through these people. And he just finished all these things and it says this. He said to the disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man, me, will be delivered up to be crucified. I'm going to die. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. It's a whole nother service right there. That we would do things for people, even if it meant killing Jesus in the process. Verse 6, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Jesus liked to chill and eat and have a good time. He reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For a large, this could have been sold for a large sum of money and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, knowing the hearts of man, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you're always going to have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Talking about his physical presence. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me a, for a burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus said, has come true. Look at us talking about her today. The story continues then after that. One of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver, which by the way, uh, if you read all the way in Exodus, this was the same amount of money a slave would have to pay if uh, an ox or an animal killed another slave to their master. This is what, it was, it was cheap. He sold Jesus cheaply. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. If you're taking notes, the title of today's message is The Biography of a Betrayer. The Biography of a Betrayer. We're going to look at Judas's story, but like I said, I think we're going to find that we have more in common with him than we think. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you as we learn about the Passion Week, we can fall more in love with you, Jesus. Worship you. See that you are worthy of it all. We just pray that today as we open up your word, it would speak to us. It would challenge us. It would, God, we would just leave here changed and better than how we came. I pray for anybody today that doesn't know you, Jesus. I pray that they would have a relationship with you. They would be aware of your presence. They would know that a life with you, Jesus, is the greatest life ever. Lord, we love you and we thank you that we're alive, we're breathing, that we're in church this morning to hear your word. We give you all the honor, all the glory. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. I want you for a moment 
couple seconds to imagine how difficult and insane it would be if you decided to walk from New York City to San Francisco. Think about that. Who would do that? Why would they do it? What's the point? I don't understand it. Now, here's the thing. There's a man named Matt Mattingly who doesn't have to imagine it because he did it. In his book, The Long Walk Home, Mattingly speaks on his 3,507 miles, 117-day odyssey across America from the Statue of Liberty to the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. As he traveled the highways and byways of America, he noted things from how many Coke cans he saw in ditches to how many shoes he wore out, and it was a journey like no other. And when he was asked what was the most difficult part of his journey, I mean, that's what I would want to know. Like, okay, dude, you walked across America. What was the hardest part? Look at what he said. The thing that came closest to defeating me, Mattingly explained, was the sand in my shoes. Sand in my shoes. Think about that. This man took a journey, 3,500 mile journey, in extreme climate, extreme, the, the mountains, desert, all, all incredible terrain. And the one thing that almost got him was the small, insignificant rock particle, sand. So it almost took him out. So it almost ended his journey. And I share that because I really feel like this, is, this speaks to many of us spiritually. What do you mean, Phil? Well, you see, I believe sin starts out as small sand rock particles in your shoe, and if not dealt with, can destroy your whole journey. Small, stealthy. Sometimes we don't even notice it. Because here's the thing, a lot of us, like we're all sinners, right? We're born sinners, but we think that sin is just this grandiose act of bad things towards Jesus. And it doesn't necessarily always end up like that. Sin is devious. It's slow burn. It, it, it builds up. It's something that, that creeps into our mind, that creeps into our spirit, and if not dealt with, leads to a fall. I believe the problem and what we don't realize is that great falls from grace start off as little flaws from sin. It's the little sin that we don't talk about. It's the little sin that we downplay. It's the little sin that we just ignore and think that with time it'll go away. It's that sin that is rocks in our shoes and if we don't take care of it, will bring us down. Like think about it. Nobody starts out wanting to be in an affair. Doesn't start out like that. There's things that take place where maybe you're frustrated in your marriage and there's somebody at your work that's starting giving you a little bit more attention, saying nice things to you that your wife or your husband don't say to you and because you don't have accountability and nobody's checking you and your relationship with Jesus is kind of on the rocks, that, that, that you know what, maybe an affair might be the, the route I take to find happiness. But it doesn't just start it doesn't, it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. There is a beginning, there is a small sin that has crept in. Nobody decides one day to be an alcoholic. We have one drink, life gets hard, and we think that feeling of escapism is intoxicating, and so we continue to drink, and we started out as one drink. It's now a habit. Like, it starts somewhere. Nobody wants to wake up and be financially stressed, but we don't handle our money well, and we, and we, we spend more than we save, and we, we, we splurge on ourselves more than we give, and, and we're selfish, and we're greedy. 
That just happened out of nowhere. It's a slow burn. We don't just leave the faith out of nowhere. We don't just not love Jesus. Something happens, something gets in our spirit. Maybe it's something at a church. Maybe it's something in our life. Maybe it's a, a tragedy, whatever it is, but it starts to fester up. And before you know it, we're not even coming to church anymore. We're disconnected from community. We bash the church. We're all over the place politically. We don't, we don't believe in the way of Jesus and we are now far from him. It's the sin that we ignore, that we downplay, that we ease. That's the one that kills us. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it like this. You will say that these very small sins and doubtless like all young tempters, talking about young people who are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness, come on a Friday and you'll know what that means. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. It does not matter how small the sins are provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. It's the slow, small sins, the gradual, gradual road to destruction. If we're not careful, church, the sins that we ignore, the sins that we just think are going to go away all of a sudden, those are the sins that are going to ruin our lives. I'm not talking about ruining our lives where we just have a bad day. No, but, but our marriages are destroyed. Our homes are destroyed. Our self-esteem is destroyed. Our dreams are destroyed. Because that's what sin does, and that's what happened to Judas. Here's what I believe. I believe Judas didn't want to betray Jesus out of the blue. It wasn't just like he woke up and his whole plan was to betray Jesus. Yes, that was prophesied, but I do believe that Jesus had every right to be saved. I believe that. And what the story of Judas tells us and what we need to learn from it is the predictable consequence of sin left unintended. That the more we ignore it, the more we just downplay it is the more we are susceptible to ruining our lives. How did Judas get to this point? I mean, it started somewhere. Where did this tragedy begin? I believe it started with the person that he was, the things that he thought of, the false ambitions, and he had long contemplated betraying Jesus and with some time decided to do it. Our tragedy begins, and here's the thing. As I say these things about Judas, I really believe that some of these things are going to relate to a lot of us. I believe that Judas wasn't a believer of Jesus from the beginning. How can you say that? Well, I, I, I just believe from what I've read and from what I studied, that Judas didn't see Jesus as Lord and therefore never fully surrendered his life to Jesus. Look what it says in John 6, 66 through 71. After this, his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered, Lord, whom, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have all believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. Look what it says in John 13, 10 through 11. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash. He's washing the disciples' feet, except for his feet. So if you've given your life to Jesus, you're clean. You don't have to keep doing, like you are clean, you, you're saved. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that is why he said, not all of you are clean. 
when Jesus announced during the last supper that somebody was going to betray him, the disciples, all the, the 11 said this, surely not I, Lord. Judas says, surely not I, Rabbi. Now that could be a slip of the tongue, but I really believe that it shows the heart of Judas. You have the disciples, the 11 of them saying, Lord, rightful place, rightful title. And Judas, Rabbi, teacher, I don't see you as Lord. I'm going to, I'm not there yet. I don't see that. I don't feel that. I don't, I don't accept that. As a believer, I believe Judas did not grasp who, as an unbeliever, who Jesus really was. I also believe that Judas suffered from greed. He was a greedy person. Look at our story. What happens the moment Mary does the right thing? Mary gives everything to Jesus, the most expensive alabaster flask, because she saw it as worship. Like, I will give Jesus everything, even if it's costly, even if I don't have any left. That's, he's worthy of it all, what we were singing. Mary portrays that, and she's remembered for it. But in the, in the Gospel of John, it tells us Judas' thoughts on what Mary did says this, but one of his disciples, Judas, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money back, he was the treasury of the disciples. He used to help himself to what was put in it. I imagine John writing this. He probably had to get this off his chest. He's like, I got to say, it's like, deep. <laughs> Mary loved Jesus. Judas loved money. Loved money. Look what he says. We just read this in, in verse 15 of Matthew 26. What are you willing to give me, chief priests? What are you going to give me if I betray Jesus for you? What are you going to give me? Me, 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 I want money, I want more. Uh, it's me, Judas, I, I, I'm the only one that matters. I also believe that Judas was self-seeking and ambitious. Judas was, I believe, a guy with small town guy, big town dreams type of thing, dreamer, believer. He was from a small town of Kerioth. And I believe he joined to be a disciple because he saw how Jesus attracted crowds how he, how he made a scene wherever he went. And as a Jew, he believed that he was the Messiah, but not the, the Messiah that was going to take away our sins, but the Messiah that was going to give Jewish power in Rome. And so he's like, if I stick with this guy, I'm going to go places. If I stick with the guy who can draw crowds, who has people follow him, who, who does miracles and has real power that I've seen with my own eyes, man, what can he do to defeat Rome, and what can he do for us that are close to him? What p- place of position will I have? What seat in the, in the new kingdom that I'll have? What, what, like, what power will I have? Yeah. I mean, these are all these ambitious, and I'm, I'm gonna go somewhere, I'm gonna be someone, I'm gonna have notoriety, I'm gonna be with Jesus, I'm set for life. And can you imagine on Palm Sunday, what we're gonna talk about soon? Palm Sunday where Jesus or we've talked about what Jesus comes in and he's recognized as a king and people are putting palms by him and recognizing Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna. Like he is, like Judas is like, everybody else sees what I see. That he's the one. He's gonna be king. He's gonna overthrow Rome. The Romans are not gonna boss us around and torture us anymore and harass us anymore. We're gonna be the bosses. We're gonna have power. We're gonna have a place in this world. And then what happens? Jesus says, I am going to die. I'm going to die. 
And I didn't come here to do what you thought I was here to do. I came here with a mission to save humanity, not just the Jews, not just be a political power. No, no, I came here to die for your sins. So think about Judas. That, that unbelief, that greed, that ambition is all stirring in his heart. Those little small rock particles of all those things have started to build up and build up. And Judas has reached a boiling point where he can no longer stand to be with Jesus. And he can no longer stand to follow somebody who's not going to give him what he wants. And so he betrays Jesus. This is the biography of a betrayer. But I didn't say that title. I didn't pick that title because I'm only talking about Judas. Because this is our biography as well. Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But can I be honest with you, church? I might have sold him for less. I might have sold Jesus for less. We read the Bible, and it's very easy to make a villain out of Judas and not see the villain in us. How can Judas sell Jesus? Saw the miracles. Like walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, had a, a dream life that any of us would have had. I know we're close to Jesus, but to be with physical Jesus, to talk with him, to be with him, how could he sell Jesus out for so little? How could I? How could I go back to the same sin over and over and over and over and over and over again? I've sold Jesus out for some pride, for some lust, for some resentment, for some gluttony, for some greed, for whatever. I sold out Jesus for less. That's the thing. We sell out Jesus more than we think. But can you believe that even though Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, he still chose to die on the cross for him? Jesus, the good news of the gospel and the good news for you here today is that Jesus sold out for us sellouts. He sold out for me. Somebody who didn't deserve the goodness of God, the grace of God to even be next to him, to have a relationship with him, to have a place in heaven, to have a purpose on this planet. Me, who has done so much wrong. All of us sold Jesus out and some of us still do today and he chose to die for you. The good news here today is that Jesus is king. The better news is that we have a king like Jesus. One that doesn't give us what we deserve, but gives us better than we deserve. That we can say he's worthy of it all because he's given us something that we shouldn't even have. It's our biography. It's our story. But thank God that we have Jesus who didn't look at us and give us what we deserve and look at us as Judas deserved and he still gave Judas a second chance. But like us or like Judas, we have a choice. Do we look at his story and learn from it or do we look at his story and continue to act like sin isn't a big deal? And there's three dangers, I believe, from this story, from the life of Judas, that if we don't address and we continue to ignore, our lives will be ruined. And the first danger is this. There's a danger of unbelief. A danger of unbelief. He didn't believe that Jesus was Lord. But here's the thing about unbelief. Unbelief does not and will not change God's plans. Your unbelief doesn't change anything. If you don't believe in Jesus here today, your unbelief does not 
it does not make you or will give you an escape from all the bad brokenness things of this world. You can, you can be an atheist, you cannot believe in Jesus, and guess what? You're still gonna be stressed, you're still gonna be tired, tragedy is still gonna touch your life, you're still gonna have bad days. And, and here's the thing, I wanna go through life in the bad times with Jesus than with not Jesus. But, but here's the, the main idea is that unbelief doesn't change anything. Judas's unbelief that led to his betrayal didn't change or thwart God's plans. It just led to his destruction, not God's. His unbelief didn't do anything to God. Because that's the thing, our unbelief, it does, like our rejection and rebellion of God, it, it, it can't defeat him. Like God's plan is going to continue with or without you. And if we think that we are trying to get back at God and we're trying to, trying to make a statement towards God, we are just going to lead to our own destruction. Rebelling against God is futile. It's not going to work. As tragic as this passage is, it was clearly, clearly part of God's plan, right? As heinous as what the chief priests did to rebel against Jesus, to find a place to, of stealth to kill him, and then for Judas to betray Jesus. God still used it for his ultimate good. Because here's the truth, somebody had to die for sin. There was a penalty that needed to be paid for, and none of us can do it. And even though there was evil in the way of Jesus, God still made a good thing out of a bad thing. And that is beautiful that nothing can stop the good plans of God for your life. That Jesus, because he loves you, put evil on his shoulders once and for all so all of us will never experience evil for the rest of our lives if we give our lives to him. If we believe that the cross and the resurrection is real and put our faith in Jesus, evil was defeated by Jesus even though evil was done to him. He will use anything, friends, anything. Whatever your life looks like right now, it doesn't matter how bad it is, how broken it is, how, e how much evil is around you, he will use it for good and your good days are ahead of you. His blessings are around the corner. Like he's gonna use it all. Not that he does it, but he allows it and uses it for good. Look what it says in Proverbs 16, for the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. He uses even the wicked for good. Nothing goes to waste. Nothing is purposeless in a relationship with Jesus. Second thing is this, danger that we see in this story, the danger of false proximity. The danger of false proximity. The story and the warning of Judas is this, that Judas's life shows us that those who pretend to serve Jesus but our hearts are far from God are not really believers maybe. Like we can serve Jesus. We can do a whole lot for Jesus. But in the wrong with the wrong hearts, with the wrong mentality, with the, with the wrong vision of who Jesus is and why we do things, we'll end up with false proximity just like Judas. Think about it. I, I, I believe, I would assume that Judas did the miracles and did incredible things just like the disciples, but that didn't make him a believer. That didn't make him a Christian just because of what he can do. 
No, no, what a, what a, the mark of a true believer, a true Christian, somebody who's all in for Jesus is our, it's our affection, it's our devotion to Jesus. It's that we don't see Jesus as a teacher, we see him as Lord over our whole life. And that changes everything. Because if you serve Jesus just because you feel like you have to do it, because there's some karma aspect to it, because you're guilty, because you want to get rid of your shame, guess what? You're going to end up hating Jesus because you're using the wrong fuel to serve. You're going to get mad at the church. You're going to get mad at people because you don't do it for them. If you do it for Jesus, not that there's not going to be bad days and you're not going to be frustrated with people, that's going to happen, but you're doing it for Jesus and you'll be able to stand. The Bible says that his yoke is easy. Like we make things hard because we get the wrong mindset and we forget why we serve and we forget why we show up on Sundays and we forget why we come here early to worship and we forget why we give and we forget why we pray and we forget why connect groups are important and we forget why we need to have 10 names to fill out. We forget because we forget why we're doing this for and who we're doing it for. And when you do that, you're gonna get far from God and you're gonna have false proximity. You're going to feel like you're here at church and you've been coming to church and you feel like that's the way to go. And I'm not saying don't come to church, come to church. I love all that. But if you do things with the wrong motives, it's nothing. Jesus talks about that. He talks about praying, fasting, and giving. You could do three good things with the wrong motives and guess what? doesn't matter. You might as well not even do them. It's the heart. It's the motive behind why we do things. Don't have false proximity as Judas, don't be so close to Jesus. What an opportunity that Judas had. And he threw it all away for 30 pieces of silver. But like I said, some of us are throwing away our opportunities with Jesus for less. Imagine if today we said, you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going back and I'm gonna understand that why I did this was for Jesus and Jesus alone, nobody else. I didn't do this for a pastor. I didn't do this because of my mom brought me here, because my dad brought me here, because of my connect group. No, all those are great things, but I do this for Jesus and Jesus alone. And I promise you, if you do that, you'll serve with greater passion, you'll love with greater passion, you'll give with greater passion, and nothing will be a begrudgingly thing. It'll be an act of obedience that comes from a place where I love Jesus and this makes sense to me, and how can I not do this? Third and final thing in the bank can come up. There's the danger of incubated sin. It's the theme of the message, right? We've been talking about the power of sin that is not checked, sin that we don't, we don't address, sin that we don't take care of. And it just incubates, it just sits there and it grows and it festers and it, it grows like a cancer until we do something about it. And I think the reason why, I think the reason why some of us don't love Jesus like we're supposed to is because we don't hate sin like we're supposed to. Like if you hated sin, you would love Jesus with reckless abandon because you know how powerful it is at destroying your life and you wouldn't want to play with it and you wouldn't want to touch it. You want to be near it. But some of us, because we don't understand the severity of our sin, we let it incubate. We let it just sit there and just grow and be ignored. And, and here's the thing. You got to take sin seriously because Jesus takes it seriously. Do you want to know what Jesus' strategy for defeating sin is? It says this in Mark uh, chapter 9, verses 42 to 47. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. For it is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell. 
to the unquenchable fire. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown in hell. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Now, Jesus, I hope we get this, is not advocating self-mutilation. It's not, it's not, not every verse is literal. Everybody comes back next Sunday missing an arm. It's like, God bless you, brother. What he's saying here is that you have to be on the offense. You have to be on the offense and attack sin before it attacks you. Like, like you cannot be passive about sin in your life. Like if you are struggling with pornography, you need to cut your internet off. If you have greed, you need to give away some money. If, if you are struggling that you are going to places that are causing you to sin, you need to hand over your car keys to some brothers and some sisters. Like, like how, I, I felt this so deeply when I was praying about this message last night, that God is asking some of you here today, how bad do you want to change? Like you've been wanting to change your life, but, it's, but you don't want it bad enough. You don't want it bad enough to cut off some things. And that's the missing ingredient. You want to change, you have the right mindset, you have the right heart, you're on fire, you're coming to church, you do it, you're checking up all the bosses, except you're not taking sin seriously enough. You're still playing with it. And that's the thing about cancer, like it spreads until it is cut off. Amputation. You gotta get rid of it. You gotta kill it before it spreads. You gotta get kill it before it goes and kills your entire body. And here's what I believe, and I'll finish with this. It is better to live with less than to die with more. I'll, I'll, I'll live with less than die with more. Like there's things that we are holding on to that we cannot bring to heaven that we won't be able to. They're temporary. Here today, gone tomorrow. And if you try to collect all these things and bring it with you, and it's, it's impossible. So today, what we have to ask ourselves is are we gonna to continue to follow in the footsteps and write a new chapter of the biography of a betrayer or unlike Judas, are we going to choose to cut off sin and not let it rule over our lives anymore and, and wake up, take a breath and experience peace for the first time, like real peace, like not guilt and shame and regret, but I feel peace. I feel the presence of God. I, I'm a new person. Got problems, like life's not perfect, but I'm, but I'm, I'm close to Jesus. I'm safe. I'm covered. And I realized that I've been doing this all wrong and all I had to do was turn to Jesus, say no to some things, even though it was hard, but when I did it, I have peace. And you can live your life like that. Will there be moments to betray Jesus? Yeah, it doesn't end until we get to heaven. There will be moments to sell out Jesus. But it's in those moments we have to realize, I don't wanna be on the other side of that betrayal. Yes, there's grace, yes, there's guilt. I'm not saying that if you did, that you wouldn't have grace as the beauty of God, it's the beauty of Jesus and the sacrifice on the cross, but I'd rather live with less than die with more.
Why don't we stand up to our feet as we wrap this up and just want to pray for a couple people and You know, I, I really feel that. I really feel that, you know, we're all sinners, right? None of us are perfect. But there's those of us that, that, that know what I'm talking about. Like it's that sin that, that till this day, till this moment, till you heard from the word of God that you've been downplaying. You've, you've been brushing off as, that it's not a big deal. You haven't been cutting it off. You've been feeding it. What, what I wanna do in this moment, because we are in the presence of God, the Bible says that where two or more are gathered, there I'll be in the midst. And we never want these moments to be a waste. Not that if we didn't do this, it'd be a waste, but I just felt like what, what moment like this to commit today, to say, I, you know what, that sin that I've been messing around with, I'm getting rid of it today. Like I'm, I'm, I'm leaving here with peace. I'm leaving here reminding myself that I have freedom in Christ Jesus. So with every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're in here and you're saying, Phil, I, I, I need to cut this off. My arms have been ca causing me to sin. My legs have been causing me to sin. My eyes have been causing me to sin. And I, I've been playing with this sin too long. I've been downplaying it and you know what it is. Probably the moment when I said it, you can pinpoint what this is in your life. But you're saying, Phil, today I wanna get rid of it. I, I wanna leave here with peace. I wanna leave here with freedom. I don't want to, I don't want to be the, re the reason my marriage gets ruined, my family is ruined, my life is ruined, my business is ruined, my dreams are ruined. I don't want this sin to continue to grow any longer. And today I want to cut it off. There's nobody looking around, but if you can, can you just, can you just put both, both hands up? It's a sign of surrender. It's what, Ju it's what Judas couldn't do. You can do in this place and you surrender that sin. You get rid of it here today. Come on, we believe that, that you could be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit right here, right now. Yes, there's practical things you gotta do. Maybe it's deleting things, maybe it's, it's counseling, whatever it is, but today we could believe that right now Jesus can heal your heart and your soul. So Lord, you see these hands that are up. You see these hearts that are surrendered to you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and cut off any sin that is causing anything to grow that is ungodly in their life. Any habits, any, any things that are anti-God, maybe it's a spirit, it's a mind, it's a lifestyle, whatever it may be. God, I pray that you would cut it off, cut it off, cut it off, that you, they would get rid of it here today, Jesus, and walk out of those doors with, with a little bit of weight off their shoulders, Jesus with a burden off their backs and that you would do all the work, Jesus. That's the beauty of it. That all we have to do is come to you, Jesus, and you do all the work. And I just pray that there would be freedom in the name of Jesus, freedom in the name of Jesus over their lives. We thank you, Lord. Amen. One last group of people and we'll wrap up. I wanna give an opportunity for maybe those that don't believe in Jesus, you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you, um, you're here at this church and you don't consider yourself a Christian. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity and I've mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the reason Jesus had to come down to earth to die on that cross for us, humanity, is because we are all born sinners. I don't know if nobody's ever told you that, but like we, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. 
and, and none of us can say that, can save us from ourselves. Like we, doesn't matter how good of a person you are, and I'm sure you are, there's a, there's a bunch of good people in here. Doesn't matter how much you give to charity, doesn't matter all the nice things you do for planet earth, that's great, but it will not remove that sin from your life. The only thing that can remove that sin that leads to death is a surrendered life to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus said he's the, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to God except through him because sin separates us from God, right? Like there's a, a broken bridge and we cannot get to God because God cannot be with sin. So he sends Jesus to be the bridge for you and I so we can experience peace. We can experience salvation. We can experience the grace of God, the greatest gift ever given to man. How did he do it? Well, Jesus was in heaven, came down to earth, born as a baby, grew up to be a man. His mission was to die on the cross. But before he got on the cross, he healed people. He taught some things about life. He did incredible, he did incredible things. Nobody liked Jesus. But the time came and those chief priests that plotted against Jesus had their way and their plot worked because it was all part of God's plan. And Jesus was arrested for nothing because he was fully God and fully human. He was perfect. He didn't make mistakes. So Jesus gave himself up to the authorities. He went willingly because he knew this was part of the step. And he was tried illegally, but he wasn't surprised. He was mocked. He was tortured. He was humiliated. He was abandoned by his friends, abandoned by his family, stripped naked. I mean, the worst of the worst happened to Jesus, the one who didn't deserve it. Then he finally gets up on that cross, hands nailed, feet nailed, crown of thorns on his head to, to mock him. Takes his last breath on that cross. They get the body of Jesus, they put it in a tomb for three days, it looked like Jesus was a liar. But then our Bible tells us on the third day, they go to look for the body of Jesus and it's not there. And what it tells us is that Jesus did the impossible that no one else did. No other spiritual being, deity, whatever can do. He defeated death and sin for you and I. And all Jesus asked in return this is the best part. All we have to do is believe and confess with our mouth that he's savior and we'll be saved. We surrender our lives. We give him our lives. It's a free, Jesus did all the hard work. He's the one that died, not us. And today I just, I just wonder if you would make that decision and experience a life like no other, the best life, the greatest life, a life with Jesus. You want to know that when you leave this earth, you're going to spend an eternity in heaven. You want to have that secured, but not only that, you want to have a, a purpose here on planet earth, better than any plant purpose your career can give you, your family can give you. It'll, with Jesus, that'll be amplified. I want to give you that opportunity. Every eye closed, every head bowed one last time, just for privacy. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to, you want to know that one day you're going to have spend eternity in heaven. You're going to have your sins forgiven. You're gonna be made brand new. I wanna give you the opportunity. You raise your hand. I'm not gonna put a mic in your face. I'm not gonna embarrass you. But on the count of three, you wanna give your life to Jesus. You wanna make the decision to follow Jesus. Don't wait for next month. Don't wait next year. Tomorrow's promise to no man. Make the best decision in your life today, right now. One, two, three. Hands are already up. God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Awesome, you can put your hands down. Thank you so much. For those of you who raised your hand, I'm gonna ask you to do something. We're gonna pray this prayer to repeat after me prayer in church. We do this every single Sunday. And uh, this prayer that you're gonna say, it's you talking to Jesus. It's you solidifying this moment. 
But I also believe it's you making a decision that what you that what you did with your hand is gonna get to your feet and you're gonna make a decision and you're gonna make, you're gonna walk this thing out with Jesus for the rest of your life. And so church, let's say this, let's come alongside them and support them as we do this. The prayer goes like this, Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior, to be my God. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I love you and I thank you. And everybody said, come on, let's put our hands together. It's the best decision ever. Thank you, BJ. Hey, before we head out, I know we got baptisms, but real quick, I know there's some team moving around. They got to head out and get ready. But for the rest of us, if we can sit tight. If you made that decision, we want to make this day special for you. And we got a gift from our team to you, our dream team. And, and here's the thing. There's a lot of great resources in here, but there's also a lot of cool stuff. Like we got a free coffee voucher. We got some, uh, you know, a pen, a notebook, a bunch of cool stuff. But we also have some things that we want to help you on this new journey. There's a letter from Alex and Pastor Alex and Diana with a QR code that leads to a website of how you can get plugged in here at church. And here's the thing, we just want to help you on this journey because we know there's going to be questions. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't really know for sure what I just did, but I knew, I knew it was right, but I needed help on the journey and we want to be that help for you. And so right after church, right before we celebrate baptisms, get this gift bag and it's going to be a blessing to your life. Come on, why don't we celebrate all those hands that went up? Seriously, awesome, awesome, awesome.